welcome to What's the Revolution? A show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can embrace and understand a healthier masculinity. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. It's January 20th, and my TV is tuned to NBC and Lester Holt. I watched as my president, Barack Obama, waved goodbye to the American people. It was just eight years ago that I had watched with bated breath each step he took down Pennsylvania Avenue, hoping that some fool and hoping that some fool and his racist ideology would not mar this great moment and the accomplishment. For eight years, I watched a young neophyte become a statesman, a leader of the many and not the few, a man who attempted to galvanize, not divide our nation. Yet in the midst of his tenure, I realized that I could never be in his stead. I could not, at this point in my life, hold my tongue after the vile and vicious attacks of racists to be called a liar on national TV, to have my colleagues make it their sole mission in life to make me a one-term president, and to have white Senate candidates and red states post animalistic pictures of me and my family and then run their political campaigns on how they were going to put the monkey back in the zoo once they were elected. What I realized is that at, to be at this level, the highest level of political office, and particularly be a leader of color, one must find the healthiest version of themselves. They must call upon a wealth of resilience that will armor them from the daggers, dripping with discontent, ready to strike down the small sense of privilege that we have achieved. Barack is gone. And in the wake of his absence, we have descended into chaos, divisiveness, confederate flags, and hate. Who will fill this vacuum? Who will find the resolve and the revolutionary nature to rise up and lead? That when asked my signature question, what's your revolution, you will have and be ready to say, resist, to resist, to resist. Are you ready, Cedric Richmond? Are you ready, J.P. Morrell? Are you ready, Troy Carter? Are you ready, Karen Carter Peterson? Are you ready, Jimmy Harris? Are you ready, Jason Williams? Today, I am joined on the What's Your Revolution show with political stalwart and New Orleans revolutionary Councilman Jim Singleton who will discuss his take on the current state of political leadership in New Orleans and around the country. And after the break, I'll have my main man, Wesley Bias, who is the principal at Magnolia Strategies, drop his thoughts on what does leadership look like in today's divisive political climate. I'm honored, I am honored to have New Orleans' own Jim Singleton in the house with me. Thank you for coming on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, man, it, it, it is definitely an honor. Um, and we're going to do something different today because usually I open my show by asking my guests my signature question. But I think <laughs> the better question for you is because you have been a staple on the political scene here in New Orleans for a long, long time. Yeah. And there have been many people who have started their political careers because of you. So instead of asking you, what's your revolution, I'm going to ask you, 
What's your legacy? You know, I, I hope my legacy is that I, I look at things from an ego perspective. Uh, if you got a good ego, then you can survive. And what I call a bad ego is when uh, you can't react or you let other things cause you to do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I try to avoid, and that's what I try to live by. And I think I learned that from my father, who ended up with a fourth-grade education. But for some reason, he had that ability to guide us in a different direction. I got you. I got you. But your, your, your legacy is so big. Tell, tell, us, tell us in looking back, you know, maybe some of your greatest accomplishments, that you'll you look back and say, you know what, I did this. I made this. You know, it's kind of hard to deal with because that was not something I was always really concerned about. Uh, my thing was always how to guide other people mm-hmm. to, to do the right thing and, and do the thing. Mine was about service to the community, and, and I used that as a means. What I was teacher for a few years, I think I got that kind of from my students, that I learned how to get them to do what they're supposed to do. Uh on the city council, it was my, the ability to work with other people. And I used to say, your ego is something, if you have a big ego and everybody has one, but it's how you use that ego. And mine was always, if you, if you have an ego, it's like a handkerchief. If you're brow and you're sweating, you take your handkerchief out and wipe your brow. If you don't ever have a sweat, uh, uh, something else then you take your ego it stays in your pocket and if you have that kind of ego it's easy for you to deal with people and get along wow <laughs> wow I, my man wesley's in the studio with me <laughs> and both of us are looking like man you just dropped a piece on it you got to keep your ego in your pocket you know that that is a tip is a wisdom that we all need to hear that our ego should not be so big that that you know we've got to pull it out in the room and make sure people know who we are. It, it worked for me in, in the school system at Woodson and Booker T. Washington, mm-hmm. and it worked for me when I worked for Landrieu, and it worked for me during the 24 years I was on the city council. So uh, I found that that was just a good way to do business. Man, and look, I, we were probably going to see, or not even probably, we've seen probably a whole lot of handkerchiefs being pulled out in, in, in New Orleans, at, in Baton Rouge, in Washington, D.C., Man, there are a ton of egos uh, being wiped <laughs> wiped off right now. Um, that knowledge is wonderful. I appreciate it. Okay. So, as you were thinking, you were a teacher, you know, and 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 often in the educational landscape, that that's not our thought. You know, we're thinking about how we're going to educate kids and how we're going to spend the next thirty years of our life. But what made you want to get into politics as a teacher? What made you want to foray into this? World. I guess back in those days, I was at Woodson, minding my own business, but the principal of the school was Hal Bukri. And that was at the time when, when the Great Society program was just coming into being. And the school was involved, so rather than Mr. Bukri attending the meetings, he kind of convinced me to attend the meetings for him. And I got involved with Central City. And that was Aretha Casa Haley and other folks back in those days uh, with the Great Society program. And, I, you know, it got to a point where I, I said, well, I'm going to City Hall trying to get things done, whether it was NOR or whether it's some other program. I was always going to City Hall. So I ended up saying, well, 
my rationale, then why not just go to City Hall and then you won't have to leave. You know, <laughs> you know? So right. that's what got me started. And then in 1970, I guess it was 77, uh, when I ended up running for the city council back in, in, in those days. And in 78, I, I ran for the council and won. But prior to that, in 69, I had run in what we call the black primary, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how bold my end up political organization got started as a result of my running and winning the black primary but losing the election at that point. And then in 77 is when I came back and uh, got involved and learned the lessons that from that and won the election in 1977 and took office in 78. Right. All right. You've mentioned something that that some people know about, and I have national uh, and international listeners who um, I'm thankful who listen to the show each week. We put it on SoundCloud. Tell me a little bit about Bold and its influence here in New Orleans. Well, I don't know now where we are, but back in '69, Bold was not a political organization. It was a nonprofit organization that was created to hold what we call the black primary that we held back in 79. And the rationale was that District B had a black majority population, but not registered voters. And the whole concept and idea was to create an environment to get blacks more involved in what was going on. And that's how Bo got started. Now, after the black primary was over, then when I got ready to go for, for the council, then we changed it from a nonprofit to a, a political organization. Right. What type of influence do you think over the years that Bold, Bold have? I, well, I don't know about today, but I think we had a great influence, uh, at least during my years on the city council because we worked at it. And the whole concept and the idea was to train young people uh, to become leaders in the community, and that's what we were all about. And we still need that. We still, you know, we still need to have that influence. You and we, I talked. We, we need it, and and unfortunately, all of the organizations, both so cool, etc. You know, everybody worked very hard to destroy uh, the influence of those organizations, and you feel it now when you look at the election process of what's going on and and how they come about. That you don't have that leadership anymore. We, we, you got a problem right now. Who's gonna run? Who's running for mayor? Who's gonna be the next mayor? But you don't have any people that's, that's been there, that's outstanding. You know, the organization used to fight with each other. But when it came to a situation like this, where leadership was involved, we came together and if we had the right candidate, and normally you had one in either one, some of the organizations, that was somebody that stood out over the rest of them that we could all galvanize and come get together behind. Mm. We don't have that no more. So what's, good, what's it going to take to bring an organization or organizational structure like that back to New people, Orleans? It's going to take people doing what I was doing in my younger days and, and Sidney Bartholomew, some of the other people that were out there. Uh, you're going to have to take that. And maybe you're going to have to take some of us trying to get a little bit more involved than we have been in the last mm-hmm. few years and trying to bring that about. Gotcha. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show on WBOK 1230 AM. I'm sitting here with Sage Wisdom, you know, with Councilman Jim Singleton talking about Bold, talking about what it was like to be in the political landscape of New Orleans back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, early 2000s. 
just talked about how there's a vacuum in our leadership development, political leadership development here in New Orleans. But let's talk about this for a moment, Councilman. As you ascend it, you know, and, and, and as my listeners who are thinking about political office, what were some of the challenges, some of the stressors that you faced moving up through the New Orleans political landscape? I, I guess for, for me, I've always been kind of an independent thinking individual that uh, I wanted to always do what was right. But in, 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 in doing that, I, I guess I, I was stubborn to the point where I don't care. Uh, the job itself was not important to me as a result that I was getting. And I always wanted to work hard to bring about those uh, results. And, and I think I did a pretty decent job of, of making from what that I, from happen. From what I hear, you did an amazing of, job. The attitude. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's the, it's the ego and the attitude that you put all those together. And the, and, and the other thing I always felt that you had to study. You had to be more knowledgeable about what you're doing than some of the other people. And I brought that to the classroom when I was there, and I brought it to the city council that I, I had to know as much as I could about government and what was going on in government. And then I had to be able to to express that to the public. But then they had to build a certain amount of trust. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that with me is very important, is to build trust with your constituents. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Do you think because you were a black male leader in New Orleans during that time that you had to know more? You, we talked about that before the show started, that you made, you made sure that you were more knowledgeable, that you studied, that you worked hard. Was it because you were a black male that you had, to, that you had this feeling that you needed to be? I think that had a lot to do with it because, uh, you know, the attitude that people had that, that being a black male here in, in this environment, uh, you, you were less knowledge, but you, you didn't know as much as the white person on the other side. And I guess I got that early on. Like when I was in Mississippi and dealing with the Ku Klux Klan mm-hmm. and other things like that, uh, it, it made me just want to be more knowledgeable about what I was doing. We think now that and we want to ensure that our young political leaders are actually doing the same. So you would employ that for them to work hard, to be knowledgeable about every aspect that they can be. And if, this you, is, if you want to succeed, and unfortunately we have some of our young people today, they think us they've, they've, they've gotten either a good job or they're in a business where they're making a few dollars, they've made it. And they don't realize that they got a long ways to go. They have not made it. And if you don't bring somebody else along with you at that same time, then you still haven't accomplished that. Much. Man, that's the, and, and that's where it is. You know, the brothers of Omega Sapphire always talk about lifting, lifting as we climb. And it's not a model just for the fraternity. It is a model for life. That as as you just said, that if you're working hard and you're succeeding, you've got to be able to reach back. And I think probably that's what Bold was doing during that period of time. What you were doing on the city council. Um, as we are seeing these divisive times in our country, uh, and, you know, for Wesley and I, you know, in this generation, you, you've, you've seen it, you know, firsthand. Like you said, you've dealt with the Ku Klux Klan. You, you know, you were born in, excuse me, what year? 1933. 1933. My father was born in 1929. And so wow. you, okay. you've experienced Jim Crow. You've experienced racism, discrimination at its height. And what we're seeing now in, in, in these crazy divisive times where Confederate flags are flying, you know, in places that we spend a lot of time, you know, City Park. You know, I'm riding around City Park. And I'm seeing Confederate flags. I'm, a, I'm 
I'm a little afraid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm a little afraid. So in, in this question, what do you see right now, particularly for leaders of color and particularly for male leaders of color, things that they're actually doing well? What are you seeing? I, you know, that's a hard question because I'm not sure they're doing a lot of things. Well, boom. Tell, tell it like yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> tell it like it is. You know, they, they don't. They think they know everything. They don't listen. They don't pay attention to what's going on. And people like me and some of the others, uh, they ignore us nowadays. You, we don't, we don't know enough. We're not smart enough to deal with it. And, and what I find that a lot of them, they're more interested in how I can succeed for me rather than trying to do something for themselves and the community at the same time. Wow. <laughs> What he just said, if you did not hear that, was that in looking at our male leaders of color, they might not be doing as much as they need to do. And maybe they need to listen a little bit more. And that may not just be in, in, in New Orleans. You know, as we think about, as I said in my monologue, who's going to step up? Are you ready to actually be the revolutionary that we need in our communities? Because that's what we need right now. We need it, but I'm trying to figure out where it's going to come from. Wow. Mm. <laughs> wow Councilman we're going to get you out of here man We And we appreciate everything All your time and, and, and the knowledge But I want you So understanding That Possibly our leaders are not Doing what they need to do What sage wisdom Would you give them If they were said, you know I'm going to call Councilman James Simonton And I'm going to get some wisdom To propel me for the future So I can be a better leader What would you say that if you're a public servant, then you need to act like one and be one at the same time. And being a public service means that your concentration is on what is best for your community and the people that you serve. Right. No doubt. No doubt. What is best for the people that you serve? And as you said, it is not, it is not about, it is not, it is not about you. And yourself. It is about how can I be revolutionary? How can I answer that question every day? What's your revolution? And the answer is about how can I help the people that I serve? And you can do that by putting your ego in your back pocket. Put your ego in your putting your ego in your back pocket. Councilman Singleton, I appreciate you being here with us, spending time with us. When we come back from our break, we're gonna have my main man Wesley Bias come in okay. to drop some knowledge. Thank you, Councilman Singleton. Thank you, and Wesley, it's good to meet you too, and good luck. Thank you. It's never been easier to bank with us. Go to www.LibertyBank.net and apply for a checking account to gain immediate access to our wide range of services, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. At our new Gentilly branch, use the ATM not only to withdraw, but also to deposit money into your account whenever convenient for you. Go to www.LibertyBank.net. Open an account now and enjoy the freedom of 24-7 banking with Liberty. There's freedom here. And don't forget to use promo code WBOK. If you suspect your loved one is having a stroke, get immediate care. 
This is Dr. Takesha Davis, President and CEO of New Orleans East Hospital. Each year, nearly 800,000 people in the U.S. experience a stroke, about one every 40 seconds. Strokes occur due to problems with the blood supply to the brain. Signs of a stroke include face drooping, unexplained dizziness, arm or leg weakness, speech difficulties, severe headache, or loss of vision. New Orleans East Hospital is a Louisiana Emergency Response Network confirmed level 3 stroke center. If you or someone you know is experiencing stroke symptoms, call 911 or get to your nearest emergency room immediately. At New Orleans East Hospital, life-saving care starts in our emergency room. For more information about stroke care, visit us at 5620 Reed Boulevard or visit our website at noehospital.org. New Orleans East Hospital, quality health care close to home. New Orleans, Louisiana, and the world, get ready. It's back. It's bigger than ever. It's the Herman Magic Palace of Gospel on WBOK 1230 AM and WBOK1230AM.com. Each and every weekday morning, 5 a.m. until 6.30 a.m., it's the Herman Magic Palace of Gospel, the number one high-definition gospel radio show on the radio with your host, Herman Magic Charles, each and every weekday morning on WBOK 1230 AM and WBOK1230AM.com. It's the Herman Magic Palace of Gospel and your host, Herman Magic Charles. Shalom. I'm Pastor David Impatan Sr., the founder and owner of Whole Water. Ten years ago, I personally discovered the secret to excellent health. Alkaline, ionized, oxygenated, microclustered water. Now, my mission in life is to expose the secret to our community. It's in your water. Many people are sick because of drinking the wrong type of water. Listen, it is a scientific and medical fact that no disease, none, with any name, can live in an oxygen-rich water environment. That's the facts. Facts are all truth with nothing else added. Believe it. Today, the product, whole water, can be purchased for $10 per month. Today, the technology can be placed in your home for $20 per month. Today, you can become a part of a multi-billion dollar business for free. The opportunity of a lifetime only exists in the lifetime of the opportunity. Visit StopDrinkingBleach.com today. That's StopDrinkingBleach.com today or call 504-701-4711 or visit Brooke at Circle Food Store or Larice at 23 Auto Collision Center, Oliver Thomas, Viola Washington or Phyllis Washington. Why don't you do that today? God bless you and we see you at the top. Towners out there. This is Jean Nathan letting you know we have moved. Our new time for Crosstown Conversations is Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Listen on your way home from work, preparing dinner, or heading out for the night. And join in on the conversations at 260-9265. We talk about our neighborhoods, the environment, the economy, politics, and the arts. Shopping tips, too. That's Crosstown Conversations with me, Jean Nathan, on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Tune in or stream us. Wednesdays at 6. 
Want to comment on topics and information heard on WBOK 1230 AM? Text 318-599-WBOK. That's 318-599-9265. Lock it in your phone, and when you have something that needs to be heard, just text it. Some text will actually be read on air. Another way to tell us at WBOK exactly how you're feeling. And please, no profanity. The WBOK Vent Line, 318-599-WBOK. Now you can text where it's real talk for real time. If you suspect your loved one is having a stroke, get immediate care. This is Dr. Takesha Davis, President and CEO of New Orleans East Hospital. Each year, nearly 800,000 people in the U.S. experience a stroke, about one every 40 seconds. Strokes occur due to problems with the blood supply to the brain. Signs of a stroke include face drooping, unexplained dizziness, arm or leg weakness, speech difficulties, severe headache, or loss of vision. New Orleans East Hospital is a Louisiana Emergency Response Network confirmed level 3 stroke center. If you or someone you know is experiencing stroke symptoms, call 911 or get to your nearest emergency room immediately. At New Orleans East Hospital, life-saving care starts in our emergency room. For more information about stroke care, visit us at 5620 Reed Boulevard or visit our website at noehospital.org. New Orleans East Hospital, quality health care close to home. At Liberty, it's never been easier to bank with us. Go to www.LibertyBank.net and apply for a checking account to gain immediate access to our wide range of services, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. At our new Gentilly branch, use the ATM not only to withdraw, but also to deposit money into your account whenever convenient for you. Go to www.LibertyBank.net. Open an account now and enjoy the freedom of 24-7 banking with Liberty. There's freedom here. And don't forget to use promo code WBOK. You've been looking for a new car or truck, but don't want to pay the new car prices. And you just about choke when you see how much a new car costs these days. So, take the time to visit Jackson Quality Used Cars before you buy your next vehicle. At Jackson Quality Used Cars, you'll find the best selection of late model cars, trucks, and SUVs in New Orleans. And that selection changes often. So, if you're not finding exactly what you want one day, take a closer look later on. Or, if you don't see what you want, ask the JQ professionals will search and find it for you at jq you'll discover salespeople with a passion for cars with a knowledge of their product that is unmatched anywhere they specialize in finding the right car at the right price so have you been to jq recently find the perfect fit for your needs at jackson quality used cars 751 north claiborne at orleans call them at 821-7433 821-7433 jackson quality used cars the new car look without the new car price Catch OT in the morning, Chuck Perkins at 9, Eileen at 11, John Slade at noon, Rachel at 4, and me, Cheryl Underwood, along with the Cheryl Underwood Radio crew, Vic Frost, Harry Sutherland, Jim Kelly, and Kyle Irby. Every night at 7 on the People's Station, WBOK 1230 AM, where it's real talk for real times. You're listening to WBOK New Orleans. 
back to uh, This is the Western Revolution Show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Porpro. And I want to thank... I, I, I'm taking breaths, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to thank Councilman Jim Singleton for, for being revolutionary in his language. <laughs> yeah, revolutionary in his language and putting a call out to all the political leaders out there. He's saying you're not doing enough. So... Maybe it's time to answer the call. Or maybe you think you're doing enough. And maybe you and Councilman Singleton need to sit down and have a conversation. Um, but we're going to continue this conversation uh, around black leadership, uh, leadership in general with, you know, someone who is making moves. Someone, if you don't know him, you need to get to know him. And if you're trying to figure out if you're going to be the best candidate for whoever you need to be, or wherever you need to be, you're going to need to talk to Wesley Bias, man. <laughs> Wesley, thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for um, having me. Man, you know, and so I didn't ask Councilman Singleton yeah. my signature question, but I'm going to ask you, yeah. what's your revolution? Oh, man. Um, my revolution is to make sure that the people I care about, the people I, I grew up with, um, black folk, are living full and free lives, right? Um, I want people to be able to... Under, be able to defeat the one feeling that I hate more than anything in this entire earth, which is helplessness, right? This ability that you can't do it for yourself. Um, and, and for me, I'm very selfish. I want to live a full and free life myself, but I know I can't do that um, unless I am able to help the people that I care about be able to live full and free lives. So every day I'm trying to find opportunities to be able to make um, the conditions of our community better and to help try to find those leaders who are willing to step up and answer, I think, Councilman Singleton's call to really be leaders. Gotcha, man. That's that is a perfect that is a perfect answer to that question. You know, <laughs> especially coming on the heels of Councilman Singleton, where he said that he put his ego in his pocket, mm. right? Didn't bring it out, and that it was all about service. Yeah. It was all about helping the people. And the key word that I heard in your answer was full and free, free. man. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let's let's unpack that. I'm gonna have fun with you, Wesley. Yeah, let's do it. You know what let's I'm saying? Do what does that mean? Free. I mean, so I, I I've really been um, over the last couple of years really been listening to a lot of like Chance the Rapper, right? He has this <laughs> concept of black boy joy, right? The ability to be able to um, show up however you are outside of what the I think stereotypical ideas of what masculinity needs to look like. Um, you are showing up for yourself. You are showing up for your family. You are showing up for your community in the way that best works for you, right? And you know that because you have that confidence of how you're showing up and you're doing things right, you're going to get it done. That's what freedom is. Man, black boy joy. Yeah. Wow. I got, I, you know, a hashtag, and, and clearly, <laughs> clearly my old self, and I was going to say something else, but you can't say it on the radio, <laughs> um, has not been listening to too much Chance the Rapper. But I, I love that concept of black boy joy because that is the, that's the premise of this show. Yeah. Finding the healthiest version of ourselves. And you're right. Showing up who we are. Man, that is powerful. Being, you know, my favorite favorite line from the Equalizer is that you got to be who you are, and you got to be who you are in the world. Uh, you know, and and the thing is, is if we remember that every single person on the face of this earth has their purpose, they have their role, right? Um, it is not up to us to try to change somebody else's role. I used to play football, and they told us we as eleven players, each one of you have to be selfish. If you do your job, you play your role. We're going to stop the play. The same thing happens in life. If every single person shows up exactly the way as they are, they play the role that they have assumed and built themselves up to be, we're going to be okay. I think part of the reason why we're having some of the problems that we're having um, 
the, the hatred, the anger, all of that is because people are playing roles that they aren't really comfortable with playing. They're not being themselves. Yeah, man. That's the, look, you got to be able to look in the mirror, you know, and, and not worry. Yeah. And, and, and not worry. This is who I am. I love that. I love that. So for the, for the non New Orleanians yeah. who listen to the show, man, who is Wesley Bias? Uh, Wesley Bias is a born, bred, still living down here, uh, native, all out of New Orleans. Um, went to school initially, uh, went to Mac Main High School down here, um, got a football scholarship and uh, played for a couple of years in a small school in Mississippi. Um, I transferred at, to LSU because I realized I wasn't going to be playing ball. Um, and then that's where I really got into my career of activism. Uh, it really was after Hurricane Katrina when we had a lot of my uh, fellow residents from New Orleans come on campus um, that the activism really started. So um, from there to now, I do a lot of civic and, and community engagement work. Um, I work with political candidates. Uh, I'm looking to help support and provide capacity to the leaders and organizations that are going to help improve the condition of the black community. Um, and I work every single day. Y'all kind of laughed at me earlier when I said I, I, I saw myself as a professional table flipper, right? <laughs> um, I'm realizing that at the end of the day, I like to sleep at night and I'm going to fight for the things that are right. And if that means that I may lose money or a job or whatever, that's fine because I'm going to be able to sleep. I'm going to be able to do the right things for the people that I'm working for. Um, and I'm going to be able to know my community is going to be better. That's so who you, I am. If you need to have the characteristics of a revolutionary, play this back. Because <laughs> you just you just heard that that's what revolutionaries do. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you got to flip tables. Sometimes you got to anger people. Sometimes you got to push movements. That's right. Sometimes you have to upset people. My mentor, Michael Cunningham at Tulane, would always say, you know, with the research, he said, sometimes you have to make people feel uncomfortable. Because that's when change happens. That's right. right? That's when growth happens. That's right. you got to be able to sit in your own discomfort. So you've got to also be able to make people uncomfortable for them to open up to say, you know what, hmm, maybe I need to think about this from a different perspective. And look, the one thing about when you make other people uncomfortable, often you are uncomfortable yourself stepping up to the plate, right? But that's okay because, like you said, that's how you find yourself. It's it's, it's moments of great need when you finally find out who shows up, right? You find out when the grass gets cut, mm-hmm. you find out who's going to show. So, And that's what we're saying. You know, that's what we're, I'm going to get to uh, the comments from Councilman Singham in just yes. a second. But that's what's happening right now, you know, as we're seeing Confederate flags in New Orleans, yeah. you know, on a daily basis. So we're seeing who's showing up. And that's the interesting thing. <laughs> that is the interesting thing because they're showing up. That's right. They are showing showing up. I mean, seeing these videos of of, of men, white men, yeah, ready to brawl, ready to fight, yeah, viciously, violently, angrily, for symbols of confederacy. Mm-hmm. They're showing up. We've got to make sure that we continue to show up right. every day and not be afraid. Not be afraid. You know, I wrote this piece last night. I got to send this to my uh, producer, Rachel, because she's going to be actually kind of interested in reading this. My work is around masculinity, hypermasculinity. What I saw the other night in Charlottesville troubled me. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yes. Have you seen that video? Yes, I did. That, that troubles me. When you have images that are reminiscent, that harken back to the days of people hanging from trees, you know, but with no hoods. Right. 
They're not afraid anymore. They're not afraid anymore. They, they're not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit and stand and then try to Jedi mind trick you and say that I'm still fighting. I'm fighting for my history. That's right. <laughs> Your history, all right, is not my history. All right. Your history, the, your history of privilege is my history of oppression. That's right. You know, so we've got to understand that that troubled me. And as, and as I say in this piece, Wesley, that hypermasculinity is not a term that black and brown men have the marker cornered on not, because not that was a show of hypermasculinity. That was a show of power. That's right. You know, but I'm going to say this. I think you, you talked about we the other side has to show up. We have to show up. And, and you're right. We have to show up and we have to remember something. And I believe this part with every single bit of my soul. Black people are made of love. We are born and bred and made of love. Right. To go through all the stuff that we've been through and still to be able to smile. So that means that every time we show up, that love for each other, the strength of being able to pull ourselves together, of being able to honor our history, of being able to demand the things that we have earned, right? We have earned the right to tell you take that stuff down. We have earned the right to tell you that is not our history because we've been doing this since day one. So I'm with you. Like it's a show for what? Right? Are you? Are you? Do you feel better after you do this? You know, this show of, of masculinity. Do you? Does do? Do you feel stronger? Because you're not getting anything done. Right. But I think mm-hmm. we have to make sure that you know, because we show up as who we are, what we're made of, um, and we keep grinding, we put our heads down, we keep doing the things that are right. We're going to win. It has to happen. It has to happen. And I think from a political level and from a leadership level, yeah, we can't just we can't just be applaud the taking down of these monuments. That's right. And you know, and this is wasn't this wasn't where the show was going, but this is where my head went. We cannot just applaud that these monuments are actually coming down mm-hmm. because the policies and the policies and laws that are dictating behavior, yeah. right, are still creating systematic oppression. They're still creating disparities in academic and discipline disparities for boys, young boys of color, right. right? We're still seeing housing discrimination. All of the things we're still seeing 44 percent of African-American males in New Orleans being unemployed. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yes, we can, Yes, we cannot just applaud the taking down of these monuments. But we also have to be revolutionary in nature and say, look, there are other policies that are creating that's right. the systemic oppression that's going on in our communities. And I think like, you know, as we talked about this idea of like elected leadership, mm-hmm. it reminds me of something. There's a professor out of the University of Texas, Dr. Leonard Moore. Uh, he wrote a, a seminal book about really the, a lot of the first black mayors that were elected across the country. Carl Stokes in Cleveland, um, Harold Washington in Chicago, Coleman Young in Detroit, Dutch Moriel here in New Orleans. And he talked about this concept of a black mayor versus a mayor that happens to be black. Those mayors that first got elected, they were black mayors. They understood when I got elected, my job was to try to improve the condition of the black community and ensure that the policies, the programs, the initiatives that have not been targeted for us are now targeted for us because this is what I got elected to. Um, The mayors that happen to be black are the ones who, and this is where I think, particularly with this, uh, with these, with these monuments, right? I'm pretty certain our next mayor is probably going to be a black person. I'm afraid that we're going to have a mayor that happens to be black and then says, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We can put him back up there. Or, mm, you know, yeah, we got rid of these monuments, but I'm not really going to address some of the systemic issues or systemic programs. I'm not really going to try to widen the pot, right? 
Um, I, I think that if we're not really focusing, we're not really making sure we're checking to have our, our leadership who really are going to rise up and say, I am a black person. And I'm going to help everybody, but you know for a fact I'm going to help my people. I think we're going to be able to get to that place, but we have to see. It's interesting that you said that. And I love that comparison of being a black mayor and then a mayor who happens to be black. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was partially the critique of President Obama. Yeah. Where was he on that continuum? Was he the black president? That's right. Or was he a president that happened to be black? Interesting. I want to know what you thought about that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to say that he was a black president, right? I think he had to deal with an opposition um, at a level that no black elected official has ever seen before. When you reach that seat, when you have, as you as you kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show, on the first day, opposition saying, we're going to take you out, and that's all we're going to focus on. I think he did a job of, of understanding, of one, getting policies that were going to be beneficial to our community, but I also believe that part of the role that they played were showing up, him, Barack his wife, their family, the entire family, showing up and and pushing back against this kind of um, disgusting ideal that the nuclear black family doesn't exist anymore, right? That was showing blackness, real blackness, right? Not the stereotypical stuff. When he was trying to get these policies passed, when he got the healthcare stuff, when he was talking about the with Trayvon, when he was trying to get the things with HBCU, he was showing you he was being a black man as best as he can in the situation he was given. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, Wesley. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. Sitting here, uh, not even... Not even being able to all, sometimes even keep up with Wesley Bias, <laughs> you know, as he drops some knowledge about what is political leadership. Being like? kind, bro. No, man, it. come on. I'll tell it like it is. You know, as he drops this knowledge about what political leadership should look like, where we are, yeah. where we've been, what do we need? And I think that's the next question okay. for you. Knowing all of these mm-hmm. things, what do we need in this space? And I'm going to ask you this. What okay. do we need in this space? Because I know if if. The person who's going to lead New Orleans is going to be successful. They need to have your counsel, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm not even being nice. Yeah. They need to be ha- have your counsel. So the, quest, the better question is, yeah. what is it going to take for Wesley Bias to get behind someone? Mm. So let me, in order to answer that, can I, can I share a little bit about how yeah. I see leadership real quick? Do, I see ahead. leadership in three different ways. I think there's the... Um, the standard form of leadership, and, and I'm going to tell a story as I talk about the standard form of leadership, and, and the way I see it is it's, it's like somebody coming in on a horse, and they go to the people, and they're telling them, this is what we're going to do. This is our plan, all right? Now, let's go, and they're on their horse, and the people are behind them, and they're fighting the fight. That's leadership. Then there's leadership among the people. Is when that same person comes up in on the horse, they get off the horse, They start talking to the people. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to need. This is where we have to be able to go. Now that person is leading them, and the group is following behind. Now, if you want to get me to follow you, you have to do the third form of leadership, which is that a leadership has their back, but the people lead themselves. They are building the capacity of those folk so that way they can lead their own selves. They're coaching them up. And most importantly, they're being almost like a shepherd. I'm going to have your back. You know where you want to go. 
you know the solutions for your community to be able to fix them. All I'm going to do is make sure I'm giving you the tools and the ability for you to live, once again, that full and free life. For me, I want a leader that understands just what Councilman Singleton just said, right? Keep that, that handkerchief in your back pocket. Try to figure out if you can get somebody else to get a handkerchief. Get other people to have handkerchiefs as well, right? Make sure there's other people who are leading, who are being part of what's going on. Because ultimately, if you have somebody who realizes it ain't about you, right? You're a public servant. It will never, ever, it will never be about you. You may be the top of the ticket. You may be elected, but it, it's never going to be about you. It's about the people that you said that you committed to serve, that you said that you would do anything it would take in order to make sure that they can live a better life. For me, I want that last leader. I want somebody who says, I'm going to find, I'm going to empower, not empower people, because empower is a word that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I can help people find the power they already have to accomplish the goals. And all I'm going to do is block, is knock as many barriers out of the way. That's the kind of leader that we need in the next one, two, three hundred years of the history, at least of this city. Wow. Wow. Don't ride up on the horse. Don't lead with the horse. There's no horses. There's there. no horse. There's no horse. There's the reason why I use the horse because right. the first one is get off your high horse, right. <laughs> get among the people, right. coach them up, and then get yourself in the back and let them do it. Right. Exactly. And that's that's what I think we need. You know, if we think about the charter school movement, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, and you know how it first came in, mm-hmm. right, and, and working. We're here to save the New Orleans children. You've heard that. Oh, yeah. You're here to save the New Orleans children instead of thinking about where's the capacity that's needed to ensure that the kids have the ability to thrive. Right. And so now we start talking about equity and everybody's all above about equity. Even now now, and in in the last days of people's terms, they want to start talking about racial equity. Equity. Right. (laughs) They want to start talking about racial equity and how we can make this city a more equitable thing. Well, maybe it should have been the framework. And I'm going in today. I'm sorry, Um, because maybe those torches kind of set me off. But but talking about that should have been the framework of your your platform of the work that you should have been doing, not your lasting. Hey, I think, you know, at the end of the day. It's about how are you ensuring that the people who have never been given the opportunity to use their power finally get a chance to use it. That's equity. It's making sure that people can do that, right? Um, And you can't wait because there's so much inequity on so many different levels across race, across gender, across class, around any and everything, right? That if you start, and especially in this city, because the people are hungry for somebody, right? They're hungry for not only a leader, but somebody who can actually show them hope because that's what Barack gave us. Barack gave us he hope. He gave us hope. He gave us hope. You cannot and they ever tried to take away. They tr- and, and, and they tried to take that away from us yeah. because, you know, when you give people hope, you saw that. That's right. You you, you saw that. You saw people who would come together. I, re- I remember, I wanna, and I want to go back to what we just said a minute, yeah. but I remember driving by on the road. You know, and when I saw a Barack Obama sticker, right, and then I would drive by, and it was a white person. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'd be like, yes, yeah. yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hope is winning. That's right. Right. Hope, hope is winning. And that's what we need here. People, you can tell. You can feel it. The same energy, the same desire. I think the, the, the kind of the, the idea that people maybe had six years ago that, oh, things can turn around. 
you can you can see it leaving a you, little bit. You can sense it fleeting. You know, even even that article that came out a, a, a couple of weeks ago that said this is the fir- last year was the first time since Katrina that more people left than came in. You can feel it. People are losing hope. They're not feeling that energy. We need somebody who can respark the flame of our people. Yeah, and and, the, and that hope is: Can I buy a home? Yes. Can I live? Can I live? Going back to that comment, can I live free? Can I work? Right. Can I work? Can I can I work in the same Paris that I live? That's right. But I can't because and, and then how am I going to get back to work because the transportation is not equitable? And, my you know, my homegirl Rachel can sit here and talk all all about right. the RTA, you know, and we push so many people out to Kenner and Metairie. But how do you get back in, right. particularly if you're a low low wage worker, because we won't give li- a living wage. So you think about all of those systems that are in play that are impeding people from being free. You've given me fodder for the day <laughs> you've given me fodder for the day but like you said we need a leader male female that is going to think about empowering or giving people the power to be free because that's what people want i want to be able to know that there are skills that there are trades that i can learn that there's a place for me to send my children to be educated there's a place for me to be educated there's a place that i feel wanted and loved because that's what people want. They want to live. And, and, and one of the reasons why I stay in New Orleans, because in some places of the city, it actually does work. Mm-hmm. And you see that. You see that when I'm walking along the bayou and I see a diverse group of people and people say hello. Yeah. That means a lot to me because there are other parts of the city I go to and I'm walking down and you see my tattoos mm-hmm. and I don't have the suit on. And you forget that my name is doctor. That's right. Right. And you don't even realize that because you're not even asking the question. But on the other side, where all those people, that doesn't even matter. It, and, and, you know, I, um, I've, I've lived in New Orleans pretty much my entire life. This city will, is my first love. Mm. <laughs> um, it will always be. Um, but I'm struggling with trying to find reasons to stay longer mm. because of what you're – but I'm going to tell you, it's, it's those moments of potential. Moments? Man. It's those moments of potential when you see it. It's those moments when you hear that right song at the right time and it <laughs> catches your spirit. It's the moments when you see somebody in their complete, full, and free happiness. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's why I love this city. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, for me at least, um, I think the upcoming elections are going to determine a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be here. I think there's a lot of people that want to be here, but we need somebody that's going to be willing to step up. I think many people can step up in a bunch of different ways, but the way that our current system works, you got to have a leader at the top. You got to, and and you've got to have a leader at the top that is thinking about the entire population. Every single person. Every single person. Every single day. Equity is about every person waking up every day having the power to thrive. Yeah. That this is my city that this is my love, that this is where I can develop into that person that can be fun and free. It's funny that you say that you love, because I tell this story about New Orleans. Uh, and I'm, I moved uh, I moved in 2005, seven days before oh, Hurricane Katrina, yeah. right? Came back January 1st of 2006 because I wanted to be in the city as it was beginning its revolution, mm-hmm. all right? 
And I would tell when I was in grad school that New Orleans was my girlfriend, right? I wouldn't watch the news, right? I wouldn't watch the news. I would go out and spend copious amount of time, spend a lot of money on my girlfriend, even though I was broken poor in grad school at Tulane <laughs> University. But then you fall in love and you want to get married. And you form that relationship and you learn, you uncover, right? The mask is gone and you got married. And, I, and now you see New Orleans for what it is, mm-hmm. right? But you want to stay married. But it's hard. It's hard because New Orleans has changed. New Orleans is wearing new dresses now, yeah. right? Or New Orleans is wearing new pants, depending on how your relationship is with New Orleans, right? right? Or whatever, whatever it's wearing. I want to still be in love. Right. And so that means that we need a leader that allows people to continue their love affair with New Orleans. That's what we need. And that's what you're saying. And if you are that leader, if you are that leader who is going to help people fall in love and continue to fall in love with New Orleans to keep their love affair, then we need you to understand who Wesley Bias is. All right. We need you to give him a call. You know, and get behind and, and and understand that you might have to answer some questions, some hard questions. And but you I will be. yeah, but I promise you, I promise you, if you have Wesley behind Wesley bias behind your ticket, it's going to be the best decision you've got to make. Wesley, drop some knowledge, man. How can people get in touch with you? You know, how can how can the world know more about you, Wesley? You bias? know, I, I'm, I I play a lot on social media. I like to talk about what's going on in the world. So you can you can catch me either on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm at uh, Wesley Bias, W E S T L E Y B A Y A S. Feel free to add me. Um, I'm always willing to talk to people about anything and everything. Because at the end of the day, the 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 big moves always start with the first conversation. It always starts with somebody saying it's time for you to get off the sideline and start playing ball. So hit me up. I'm ready to. Uh, Ready to try to talk about what's going on and what's the next moves. I got you. I got you. Man, we want to thank my, my guest today, Councilman Jim Singleton and Wesley Bias, for dropping lead knowledge on what it means to be a black leader in our country and what you need to be successful, what you need to be successful. We want to thank the WB, WK Kellogg Foundation for the unwavering support of the What's Your Revolution show. Please join in next week as we talk to another New Orleans native and wonderful, wonderful, wonderful brother, man, who's going to drop his drop his story. You better, you better listen to this story because he's got something to say. My main man, Patrick Young, and his mantra, raise your bar. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show. And as I say each week, be able to answer the most important question of your life every day. What's your revolution? Take care. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far because a man with the touch of me possessed my car. Don't push me because I'm close to you.